From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 375. Today's show is brought to you by DoorDash, Gabby, and Hunter Douglas. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. It's good to be here. So I was about to do something really weird and introduce you as Brad Dowdy. Don't know why. Uh, pens. But pens. I, was, I was about to do that. That was very strange. Pens. But here we are. Hashtag Snell Talk question pens. comes from Luke. Luke says, happy birthday, Jason. What cake did you get? I will also say happy birthday, Jason. It was your birthday oh, thank last you. week. It was last week. Uh, I didn't get cake. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I don't love cake. Cake's okay. Cake, cake's fine. I feel like when it says cake for birthday, cake is like not really cake in my mind. You're like, saying the cake is a lie. Is that yes, what the cake saying? is a lie, and the truth is like, what is the typical dessert or thing that you shared with people okay. for your birthday? So my 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 lovely wife got me a a. a uh, a fancy, a fancy uh, bottle of beer, like mm-hmm. one of those Belgian um, bottles with the cork, Ooh, the yep. big, heavy mm-hmm. glass Belgian, you know, big bottle, uh, and hid it in our refrigerator. And, and I don't know. I, I she said I, uh, I hid it. I said where? She said I'm not telling you. <laughs> Which is great. Like I have literally no idea how she hid it. There's in the refrigerator. a secret door in your fridge because it was chilled. And yeah, I don't know. So we, I, I got that. That was a nice uh, birthday beer. And she also got some ice cream um, from a local okay. ice cream place. So your so, cake was beer and ice cream. That's you know, yes. In fact, in general, my cake is beer and ice cream. So that's perfect. If you'd like to send in a question for us to start off the show with, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnowTalk or use question mark SnowTalk in the Relay FM members Discord. Uh, I have some follow-up. I want to talk about iPad Mini on a train, which made me think of snakes on a plane. Um, so okay. somebody's got to get all these iPad Minis off this train. I was thinking like uh, strangers on a train, like the yep. spy thing, like two iPad Minis meet and do they exchange an airdrop? Uh, no one will know. Like, when you pull pull into a siding briefly, is there a surreptitious airdrop with a contact on the outside, and then you move on, and no one knows that it happened? It's, it's I was on a train for a few hours over the weekend. Okay, I had my iPad Mini with me, and I wanted to just get some work done on it, and I just wanted to observe like a some, some a different kind of use case for me with this device that I've been using. You know, it's like a kind of traveling thing, because I could imagine this gave me the idea of like a big chunk of time in a seat little table you know so like insert your method of travel here could also be equally for a plane maybe even a boat i don't know Uh, so obviously many of the advantages of the ipad mini carry over really compact right so very nice and easy for the reading portions of what i was doing and and you know all of that kind of stuff and it's very easy to get work done on it because it is an ipad that runs ipad os 15 it has all of my apps right like all the stuff you know but the one thing that I noticed for like what needing to work on it for like a three hour stretch and actually doing work is unlike other iPads, you have to hold this one the whole time, right? Yeah. So with the iPad Pro you or even iPad Air, you know, or the regular iPad, you can have some kind of keyboard that it goes in. And so you can put it down and type on it, but you're not holding it. It's It's on the table. That doesn't work with this iPad. You have no. to hold it. Now, if you're watching something or reading something, you can use the smart folio thing and prop it up. Mm-hmm. But if you need to type or interact, you're holding it for the whole time. Now, obviously, it's really thin and really light, so that makes it easy. But it is a, it's, it's a, just a different trade-off than what I had thought of because all the work I've been doing on it currently is just like little bits and bobs here and there. 
I'm at home. It's like a different kind of thing. But this is like, no, I'm sitting down with this for a couple of hours and I'm going to do email. I'm going to do some calendar stuff. I'm going to do some prep for the show. You know, like just a full on work block. And I just realized like halfway through, it's like, I can't put this down to do the work on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, ergonomics are a huge issue when it comes mm-hmm. to devices like this. And, and it's just a different kind of ergonomic experience. And you get some good stuff out of it, right? Yep. But but I've had that same thing where I, I realize, why does this feel weird? And I realize it's because I'm holding it and thumb typing. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, this is... Like I tried right, putting it do down this. and typing mm-hmm. on the keyboard, but it's flat. It just didn't work in the way that I wanted. Yeah. Like it didn't, it didn't feel so good. So it's just like I realized, like, oh, right. Because the iPads that I've been used to using for like the last five years... They kind of come with a stand as well as the keyboard. So like when you're typing, you're not holding it. The table's holding it for you. So it was just something I wanted to share because it's an experience I haven't had in a very long time and definitely haven't had with this product. Yeah, that's good. It is a different kind of product, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it, it has a lot of, I think that size has a lot of advantages, but it, it it's not, if it, if it did everything that every iPad did, it would be the greatest iPad ever. But it's not. It, there are trade-offs for that mm-hmm. stuff. Let's talk about some macro photography stuff. Got two mm-hmm. two little things about macro photography. Uh, one of them is that iOS fifteen point one, the beta version, has added an option for the uh, to to turn off the automatic macro switching thing. So if you have an iPhone thirteen Pro and you go very close to something, it switches over to the ultra wide, so you can have uh, so you can take macro photography. It's now going to be possible in fifteen point one to turn off this behavior. So it won't do the switching anymore. So you can move the camera close to something and it's not going to switch over to the ultra wide. And then the way that you would take a macro photo is to change to the ultra wide camera and then just use tap to focus on the object. I'm not sure this is the way I would have done this, but I think I will appreciate this, uh, it not doing the automatic switching. So I will, mm-hmm. I will change it. For me, like, I would have actually just had a button which quite clearly was zero in macro mode now, but maybe they don't want to add even more yeah. buttons. I don't know. I, I like the idea of you not knowing what mode you're in. The problem was that Apple couldn't pull off the magic trick, right? Like the shift in cameras is too visible. Because you're no longer, you, every time it shifts, you have to physically move your phone to get the thing back into what you want it to be again. Yeah, it's like a parallax change because yeah. you're close and you're changing lenses. And so it is, it, you know, it's coming through a, a different portal that's slightly over and it totally changes the location. Plus, I know people have reported like the color balance is not exactly the same and mm-hmm. it, it ends up being like a very disconcerting thing. Like you should, if they could pull it off as a magic trick, it would be great. But they, they tried and it, it okay. didn't work. So yeah. I, I will be happy for that. Uh, and so I can have a bit more manual control over it. But I also wanted to mention Halide, uh, the camera application. In version 2.5, they've added a macro mode that can be used on any device from the iPhone 8 or newer. And they're doing, they've got a couple of different things going on here. One is... 
basically get super close to something, focus on it, and they're going to use machine learning to enhance the image. So even on phones without an ultrawide or without an ultrawide with autofocus, like the new ones that can do the macro photography, they're kind of enabling uh, a macro mode, which I think is really awesome. So, you know, I haven't been able to test it on a device that doesn't have the uh, ultrawide. Okay, well, have. what have you thought so far? I you know, it's a nice trick, but I wasn't super impressed with it. Mm-hmm. It's not the same quality as having the the camera. And, and I appreciate the idea that they're using ML up resolution to make it seem better and enhanced. And that's that's nice. I feel like this is how Apple would do it if they wanted to bring a fake macro mode to old fo- mm-hmm. old phones, which they they didn't. They didn't do that. But if they did, this is what it would look like. I think, though, my reaction was a little bit like, I know why they didn't do it. Because, you know, you can't get that close. (laughs) Because the camera won't let you get that close. You can control the focus, which is good. And you can get a focus eventually that you want. And then it'll do its ML up-res thing that it does. And you'll get something out of it. But this feels more like an encouragement by Halide to get people, even with older phones, to start playing around with macro photography but it, it didn't you know it didn't blow me away i was sort of like well this is kind of a fun trick that gets us talking about halide but it, it it's not i mean it's not the same as what apple is implementing with the heart with the phone i'm sure halide would tell you of course mm-hmm. it isn't but um i i worry this is a, maybe overhyping it a little bit much because I was, you know, I was not super impressed with it. It it is exactly what I thought it would be, which yeah. is you still have to deal with all of the focal length limitations of the iPhone, um, but you have a little more control over them because it's halide. And then they do this, you know, machine learning up up res thing that they do. Um, it was fine. I think the real like for I appreciate that because I I didn't have the opportunity to test that. For me though, the real winner in this update is focus control of the ultra wide for the macro mode on the pro phones yeah so phones that can't do the mac phones that can't do to have the macro mode support you can adjust the focus yourself which i really appreciate so that's a fun thing for me with trying out this this stuff because macro focus is very uh specific mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if you want to have a slightly different focus yeah no halide's a fantastic app Super i just good. you know don't 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 go get it just because you don't have a new phone and you want macro mode like the new phone because it doesn't really do that but it does a lot of other great stuff i, I love that app yeah so it, it allows you much more tweaking and so i i'm i think i could be i would see myself using it for that but as you say it's not magic right there's only so much it can do. But if you do have one of the phones with the macro mode, I recommend trying this out because I've actually been able to get some pretty good shots with Halide that I can't get with Apple's camera app because I have more manual control over what's in focus and what isn't. So super cool. Mm-hmm. Let's do some upstream headlines where we talk about some of the things going on in the streaming media world. Uh, a couple of things. Oh, Foundation. So Apple's new show, which I've yet to watch yet, but I'm going to. I'm letting it build up. I've watched the first three. I think they're four out now. I've watched mm-hmm. the thir- first three. I like it. It hits. It hits every uh, sweet spot for me in terms right. of sci-fi shows that I like. It. It's a slow build. It's got broad implications. It's telling it sort of out of time sequence. It's an epic. 
It's got some interesting performances. It looks like a million bucks. Correction. It looks like 10 million bucks per episode. It's very oh, yeah. expensive. I think I like the showrunner said two episodes, uh, the budget for two episodes is more than any movie he's ever worked on. Yeah, it's it's a very expensive show, but yeah. it looks great. And, and I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. Apple's announced they're renewing it for a second season. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny because a bunch of industry, like reporter type people and analyst type people that I follow on Twitter... Um, I think specifically Kim Masters at The Hollywood Reporter, but uh, I saw several people who are like, yeah, this is like PR, uh, that that the Everybody oh, yeah. New Foundation had a multi multi-season commitment. This would have been wild to do once. <laughs> like, right. no, so this, this feels <laughs> yeah. like it's the se- season two announcement. Yes. But is it really a renewal? And I mean, unless you've seen the contract, I guess you don't know for sure. It's possible that, the, that they didn't straight up buy a second season, but... I would bet you that they had a penalty attached to not buying a second season that made it extremely unlikely that they wouldn't buy a second season. And I think Apple, when they made a lot of these deals, like Apple is willing to take a chance on these shows and let them play out. Apple's canceled, I think, two shows so far. Um, And so, you know, of course, you don't put money like this into this thing. And unless you look at the stats and see that it's a complete disaster and you need to pay to get out of the deal, um, you know, it does also, it allows Apple to put out a press release and call it a hit, even though they didn't actually release any data of any kind. And I also saw some commentary in the, uh, in the TV and entertainment industry analyst sphere about how people really need to not quote Apple press releases about this stuff Yes, or, or any, or any streamers press releases about this stuff where they claim it's a hit, it's a global phenomenon, all these things without any data at all, because you're just carrying their water at that point. Like, we don't know anything about whether Foundation is doing better or worse than Apple expected. All we know is that they they renewed it, which everybody apparently already knew they were going to do. And they said, right? Like, it's yeah. enough to, that they want to say it's successful, but that doesn't mean anything yeah they may be going through the motions here um because it's good for pr to do this even though everything you know it it literally didn't matter what the data said this is the same press release they would put out timed at the time that they did Mm -hmm. to point out that foundation is coming back but i I like the show so far so i'm glad it's coming back and apple's gonna spend more money brett uh goldstein from ted lasso was on uh seth myers's show on nbc last week and the moment that I thought was very funny from a meta perspective, an upstream perspective, was he talked about writing the scene in season two of Ted Lasso where um, I'm not I'm not spoiling anything here. Uh, Roy Kent has a conversation with Jamie Tart, and he said, "I wrote that scene knowing it was going to cost Apple a lot of money." Because every time I'm in a scene with him, I can't stop laughing. And so it's going to take days to shoot that because we, I, I, you know, every, and and that's why we didn't put Jamie and Roy in too many scenes together because it would cost too much money because we, we just, apparently they just make each other laugh and it ruins the shots and stuff like that. But I, I, I think I've seen a recurring theme for a lot of people who work on Apple TV plus shows where they make mention of the fact that Apple is spending a lot of money on them. I think they, <laughs> I, I do get the feeling that in the, in, in the entertainment world that people like to make fun of it, like, because they know Apple has so much money and it maybe kind of feels like maybe they get more money than maybe they would otherwise. So maybe people, people like to talk about it. I don't know, but there is, I agree. There is, there is this thing about money. Money. like is it that apple were very stingy i don't know or maybe but I, yeah but i do see that a lot uh just on foundation 
uh, the showrunner David Escoyer apparently said that they have enough for eight seasons. Like that was the original pitch to Apple. So we'll see. Yeah, for that, that's the whole Isaac Asimov outline. Yeah. I'm sure you know. Dream big, dream big. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a WandaVision spinoff coming to Disney Plus, focused on Agatha Harkness, which is absolutely fantastic. I was so happy to see this news because, look, the entire internet like absolutely fell in love with Catherine Hahn's portrayal of that character. And uh, I'm really pleased to see that it, that that Disney are rewarding that success with a show entirely about that character. So that's super cool. Yeah. A little while ago, we spoke about Apple trying to buy up some property uh, in Culver City to build their own studios. They and Apple has now acquired more than 550,000 square feet for a campus. Apple is saying it is going to be a mixed-use facility, but they're not saying anything more at this time. It seems pretty clear that they're going to build some sound stages there because otherwise that is just a very large campus for like what? <laughs> I don't know what. But so Yeah, I mean that that's we've read about their goals of getting, you know, buying property and potentially even buying studio lots in order to have studio space because studio yep. space is at a premium. And so now it looks like they're gonna. They've succeeded in getting enough land to put their own in. Mm, Apple Studios or whatever. Maybe they'll. I don't know. I don't know what else will be there. They're gonna move the Apple Fitness people there. Probably not. Probably not. And I also just want to recommend episode one of Downstream is out now uh, with oh. Jason and Julia. And I listened to it last night. I finished it off, and I really loved it. Uh, okay. If you enjoy this segment, dear listener, you will really like Downstream. So please go and check it out. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. It's every two weeks, so it's mm-hmm. not too much added to your podcast queue. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by DoorDash. Did you forget that one thing at the store yesterday? Well, now you can get snacks, drinks, and household essentials delivered to your home in 30 minutes with DoorDash. Because DoorDash will connect you with not just the restaurants that you love right now, right to your door, but also those grocery essentials you need. So, ordering is super easy. You just open the DoorDash app, you choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with their contactless delivery drop-off setting. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, and you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains, maybe Cheesecake Factory, Popeyes, and many, many more. Jason, can you uh, talk about DoorDash for the Upgradients? Uh, yeah, my daughter used to drive for them, which was kind of fun. And, uh, I use it, uh, occasionally and it's mostly when we are feeling like, um, we don't want to go out of the house and we don't want to make dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. that it's a pretty simple thing or but that's what it's or perfect we don't wanna... for though, right? Like that it's like, uh, we don't want to go out, but we don't want to have, I mean, we don't want to eat what we have. We want something else. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It really is just like, yeah. I, I, I hate everything and please somebody <laughs> just bring me food so that I feel better about the <laughs> yeah. universe. It's uh-huh. that kind of thing. And so that's what we use it for. And my, my tip is of course, if you can think of it in advance, you can not order hungry, which is very dangerous. Cause you're like, sure, I'll order five things. And then you get the bag, uh, which they leave at the door for you. And you, you think, what have I done? Uh, and you've got leftovers for a long time after which can be a good thing but uh if you order early and schedule it for not asap delivery but for a specific time then they do all the kind of like back calculations and they put the order in and they tell the driver and then it shows up at basically the time that you selected which is pretty great because it's much nicer to have food appear at exactly the right time instead of you know placing an order because you're desperate and then waiting desperately until it arrives so i recommend that that's my pro tip for doordash 
For a limited time, listeners of this show can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. Just download the DoorDash app, and if you're in the U.S., use the code UPGRADE2021. If you're in Australia, I have a special code for you. It's UPGRADEAUS. That's 25% off, up to $10 of value, and zero delivery fees on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app from the App Store, enter the code UPGRADE2021 for the U.S., UPGRADEAUS for Australia. I'll spell those out. Upgrade UPGRADE 2021-2021 in the US. Upgrade AUS for Australia. And you will get 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Apple Watch pre-orders have uh, happened mostly. Well, it was been available since Friday. Yeah. Did you pre-order? I know that you said you, you might just wait and try and get it at the store. Did you actually make a pre-order? I did make a pre-order. Okay. My thought there is that pre-orders can be canceled for quite a while, and mine isn't shipping until November, early November, right. I think. Mm-hmm. So I've got time to find it if it is in a nearby store. Uh, you know, I, I, if I have second thoughts, whatever, I've got that. But I did decide ultimately on at some point on Friday that I would at least put something in there uh, to have an order. Um, so I ordered titanium. I'm going. I'm treating myself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. This Jason. is my cake. This is my cake. Mike. My watch is my cake. My watch is my cake this year. So uh, I decided to treat myself. Titanium. I've never had a watch that wasn't just the cheapest Apple Watch. Aluminum Apple Watch. Never. Have you worn? You've worn the other ones though, right? So you know the weight. It's like you know they're heavier. I've, and... I, I've seen them. Well, the titanium is light because it's titanium. The stainless. Lauren had a stainless, mm-hmm. and I think Series One. And it was it was heavy. It was nice, but it was heavy. And I don't want that. Titanium's lighter and still has this kind of like nicer uh, so looking space feeling thing. black titanium. Space black titanium, yeah. That's right. Okay. How much blacker could it be? None more black. Space black. It, no, it definitely could be more black. I, yeah, I it could t- be. Yeah. They're, they're, they're mostly gray. Yeah, well, I mean, black. I, think the black, uh, I think the black stainless steel is like actual black. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. That doesn't exist anymore. Isn't I, No, I thought they had the fancy coating black stainless steel. Do they not? Not anymore. Oh, well, the colors are. We'll We're going to talk about colors. Stay tuned again to the today. colors are segment, which <laughs> yes. is coming up. Uh, and then maybe our new podcast, Colors yeah. Are. Uh, so, 45 millimeter, yeah, the big one, um, because I've always had the big one, because I, unlike so many, surprisingly many podcast hosts in this sphere, I do not have spindly chicken arms. I can wear the larger watch. <laughs> oh my God. Jason's throwing it down. Spindly chicken arms is what he says. Hi, Casey. Okay. <laughs> That was just just for Casey. I just I, every time I listen, I am amazed that I hear. Especially, it's Casey and Marker, right? Who are both like, "Oh, the the big watch. It's just too big for my for my wrist," and I don't understand it. Casey's a big man. We're like the same height. Like you know, he's a I, large I, man. Yeah, I don't get it. I and it's fine. Like again, biology. Everybody, nobody gets to pick. You get the body that you get. And also, people have preferences. You know, pre- and people have preferences. Surprising. It's all fine. I just, mm-hmm. I am. I'm surprised that so many people who are talking about Apple Watches in my ears are talking about the little watch instead of the bigger watch. So so my point is more, I'm sorry to disappoint you, dear listener. I can't tell you that story. I get the big watch every year. That's what I do. So, of course, I'll get the big watch. Um, Let's talk bands for a second. Having not bought a premium style uh, Apple Watch before, I didn't know this, but they pack a bunch of things in like that you just get with the premium watch. So one example is I discovered every titanium model seems to come with a gray sport band 
whether you want it or not, and you can't not get it, and you still have to pick another band. So, aha, here's a thing for you. <laughs> That's how it seems, but it's not entirely true. This, there has been... Uh, there, uh, the process of buying an Apple Watch is becoming maddeningly complicated. So I didn't want the band that the watch that I ordered, which I get to in a minute, uh, came with by default. So if you go to Apple Watch Studio and make a pairing... I did. I did. Oh, but, but I then got what I wanted. It didn't come with the, the one that they suggested. So I went to the Apple Watch Studio and I picked a, I picked a band that I wanted and then I, I continued to oh, order. Oh, Jason, I know why. I know why, because it's an addition. So with the addition ones, they have the matching band with the pin. So I had this with mine. See, it's fancy. So you get right? the titanium pin, little pin, because like, I band have that I'm never going to wear on my edition. Because I have the white one, right? The white series yeah. five or whatever. My white sport band has a ceramic pin. That's why I like the. Right. the so yeah. what what I want to do mm-hmm. is one of two things. My here here's the frustration though is I also can't order that watch without a band, even though there's a band in it. I have to order a second band. Okay. Which again, it's like okay. But I don't need that band. And if you're going to make me order one band... So I'm getting two bands when I would be fine with no bands. <laughs> but I'm getting two bands. Uh, the I, I should say titanium is uh, cellular only, which is fine because I want the cellular one. But I, I kind of appreciate that if you're going to buy the more expensive watch, Apple is not going to nickel and dime you by saying, oh, no, no, the, the expensive price starts here. But if you want the the the, the cellular one, you got to pay more. Mm. Seems like, no, you just get that. That's just, it's a fancy watch. You get all the fancy parts. Yep. And for the record, I got a Marigold solo loop. So it's like a yellow solo loop. I have one solo loop and uh, I wanted another one. So there, that's what I got. Spin, I'm never, I'm not going to go over spindly chicken arms. I, you know, <laughs> it's, I've started a feud now and I was just joking. Uh-huh. I just think it's funny that so many podcasts I was talking about getting the uh, feuds the are good. Watch. Feuds are good for ratings. All right. It's fine for yeah. our ratings. Yeah. That's good. Got to pump Great. the ratings. It's sweeps season, mm-hmm. Jason. Okay. Uh, I got the gold stainless steel 45 millimeter. I was able to go into Apple Watch Studio, as I mentioned, and I changed the band out because it, it, the I think was by default was pretty much just the leather. Um, leather what do they call it the the one with the leather link i think they call it where it's the uh, magnetic one magnetic yeah that's what i was looking for it's a nice one i have one of those so uh this was it so i saw it and i was like oh that actually looks pretty cool like i didn't like the color that they had was the default but i i liked the look of that but what i wanted to do is make sure i could get what i wanted so i went into the gold stainless and i added the gold milanese so that's what was my main order i then added two more bands uh i went with an abyss blue sport band because I think blue and gold will look nice together. I'm not on the loop chain yet. Um, I think I want to try one of those on when I go to the Apple Store, uh, because I have not tried it on. And I don't want to do the at-home sizing thing. I want to just try the bands on and find the one right. that fits for me. Because I like the um, the braided one. I think the braided one looks really nice. Yeah, it, it looks great. I And I will just say that the kind of John Gruber-inspired look at how your sport band fits and map it to a size it does work i yeah, have bought sure, uh, two loops I know that way and that it have, totally works but i'm going to the app store to pick it up Might i'm not well. going on launch day well, i'm going a couple of days after so i'm expecting i might be able to do it 
you should have that full retail experience then, especially since you're getting a stainless watch. You'd be mm-hmm. like, what size is it, sir? Is, That's is good. it a seven? That's really good. No, I'll get I'll get that for you. Thank that, you. That, that, that is this of, like a that, butler that I have at the Apple well, store? Yeah, it's your it's your watch valet. Al- it's my Alfred. It's my watch Alfred. No, it's it works for the Apple store, but it's the watch the watch butler. The, right. the watch band butler, really. Okay. Is who that is. And I also got a midnight uh, leather link, which I thought looked really nice, like the dark bluey black and, and the gold. Because for me, it was like, I think I'm on the every two to three years now for the Apple Watch. Sure. I, I don't, It's I've, I've finally found the product for me where like I don't feel the need to upgrade it frequently. Um, and also, you know, like some products I might upgrade and or might not, depending on if I think it's worth it for the coverage of the shows and stuff. Uh, the Apple Watch, I'm not sure about. But for me, considering I am now like all in, somewhat begrudgingly, somewhat not wearing my watch all the time, I want to have more options to dress it up and dress it down than I do currently. And I think I've got a run the gamut with these three. Because as well, the bands that I already have, they're not going to work for me with a gold stainless steel watch. Like, I don't think that it will work in the way that I have been where I previously had just the sport ones. So they were bright and colorful. You know, like I had the silver watch, and then with the white one, it just works because white is plain. But gold stainless steel is not going to be. So, anyway, uh, my watch was available. Uh, I'm picking it up on uh, next weekend. I could have picked it up on Friday, Ooh. but I'm not going to be around. So, I went through this whole process, and I was like milling around in the Apple Store app, just choosing what I wanted because, you know, I was like, oh, let me go look at this band, let me go look at that band. I didn't think it was going to be any issue. And then when I was done, just like looking through text with friends and stuff, I don't know anyone that's getting one on launch day. Huh. Because it seems like a lot of people went for titanium or the other stainless steels. And it seems like everybody that I know is getting their watches in November. So I think availability has seemed sporadic at best uh for the for the apple watch there's something going on with the apple watch this year i'm not sure what it is like for example they didn't it was impossible to know all of the colors until pre-orders open on friday like it was you couldn't find it anywhere and i find that to be really interesting also i don't know if this is normal but there have been no reviews published about this apple watch well, it's it's early yet. I I think this will be the week that that happens. I don't know when exactly, but I don't I'm sure remember what happens drop. with the watch if they do do it this way. I think maybe last year it was this way too that the reviews came after purchase date, like pre-order date, which is not is that normal for iPhones? Do they come after pre-order date? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So it's that. So you're probably right. That'll be this week. There's been none as of yet, but it'll probably be this week. So it seems like that there might be an availability thing going on here because a lot of the watches uh, seem to be not available. And now, like, if you look for any of them, you know, like, like with anything, look for any of them, you're looking into November for them now as well. But we want to talk about colors again. So, you know, we knew this. We've spoken about this a little bit. The aluminum watches this year, the colors are in a bit of a mixed bag, I think. Right. There's there's not. Re- I think a lot of people were surprised when going to order their watches that there isn't like a safe default color anymore. There's no silver. Right. There's no black. It's like kind of black and kind of silver. And I can understand if you were looking for an aluminium watch that this is 
would be frustrating. I know. I, 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 if I was buying, uh, if I wanted to get an aluminium Apple Watch, like that was all I wanted, I don't, just looking at the Apple Store page, I don't think I could choose any of those colors. Maybe seeing some of them in person might change it, but like I know, as I said before, I wouldn't want the green, red, or blue, that's for sure. So then I'd be choosing between Starlight and Midnight. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a simple, as simple a choice as silver and and gray or black as it was before. Yeah, you get, you get uh, midnight starlight, blue, green, red, mm-hmm. but all the, you know, but no silver because starlight is the new silver and midnight is the new black. Remember, mm-hmm. and that's okay, except that, um, people like silver. <laughs> Right. And people like black and, you know, people don't like change. I get it. Um, and also there's like color is very personal and the people have bought watch bands and they like and that's the, the thing, look right? of a particular. It is it is a thing you wear on your wrist and mm-hmm. it's a it's a fashion element to it. And Apple has swept away, you know, silver and black or silver and space gray and replaced them with midnight and starlight. And they're not the same. It's like if you have been if you've collected your watch bands, they have compatibility, which is awesome. But now the colors might not work. And it's like there was a bunch of people, I think even Mac Rumors ended up collecting a bunch of these tweets together and publishing an article about it of like, well, if you have, say, the link bracelet, well, and you want to, there kind of isn't any watch that fits with the colors of the link bracelets anymore. It's just pure silver and pure black. It's incredibly hard, if not impossible, to get a, to buy an Apple Watch now that fits with that. There's definitely no aluminiums. And then in the stainless steel, it starts to get complicated as well. Like, for example, if you want a stainless steel black watch, which is a thing that used to exist, you Mm -hmm. now need to buy the Hermes black stainless steel watch because in stainless steel, black has been replaced by uh, space graphite. By graphite. So they've changed the color there, but they still offer a black one. But now it's an MS one instead, right? So, and so your your graphite stainless steel case starts at six ninety nine, and your space black stainless steel starts at thirteen fifty nine. Woo! Well, you get a nice uh, band, I guess. You that. get a you get a single tour Hermes band. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, I, I don't. I I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I also like this thing. So in the Mac Rumors article, I read this little quote from Hartley Charlton who put it together. Apple effectively now has three separate color palettes for its devices, in addition to the pre-existing tonal differences with this, within the same shade that was common to see in the likes of Space Gray. Other product lines such as the iPad Pro, MacBook Pro, and HomePod Mini also no longer have any matching colors of the Apple Watch Series 7 or standard iPhone 13 models. This appears to have irked some users who like to have matching colors across multiple devices. Yeah. It's a, again, it's a fashion. It's an identity thing. And any color... Like, okay... If this is a color transition, I am more open to the idea that, yeah, you're going to bug some people when you redefine silver and black as, yep. or silver and gray as midnight and starlight. I get it. The problem I have is, as we've discussed previously, I'm not sure I believe we're going through a color transition. It feels to me like it might be the fact that they use Midnight and Starlight as names now suggests that maybe they are starting to create some sort of synced up thing and that the next set of um, 
of MacBook Pros or MacBooks that come out will be available in Starlight instead of Silver. Yeah, right? but I would I would offer Space Gray as the issue there, where Space Gray yeah. has existed for years and it's always different. And and is there is there not going to be a Space Gray uh, uh, MacBook Pro? Is there going to be a, a Midnight MacBook Pro? That would be kind of cool. But I would actually kind of really dig that. <laughs> so so we don't know all the details because mm-hmm. uh, Apple's ways are mysterious. But I. I guess I would say that I don't have a lot of confidence, as we've discussed in previous shows, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that Apple's color system makes any sense at all and that they're really going in any direction. And and it feels to me like they're kind of flailing because they've got these different colors in different places and that the iMacs look one way and the watches are going another way. And like, what are they doing? And it's unclear to me now what they're doing. But that all said, if... By doing Midnight and Starlight, they're basically putting down stakes and saying, going forward, this is what we're doing, Midnight and Starlight. Then so be it, right? You don't have to like it, but at least like the the there's consistency to it, right? You don't have to necessarily agree with it, but at least you can admire that they have a consistent plan. Um, I'm not sure I can do that, right? And so uh, the it, this remains something to watch, but... It's frustrating, I think, more than anything else, that they are limiting these choices by eliminating kind of older uh, colors that were available. This is my complaint about them making the big deal about that purple iPhone and then not coming up with a purple iPhone 13. Like, yay, it's purple. No, those colors are gone. No more no more fun colors, just, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of okay colors and then black and white, whatever. It's, it, it's dr- distressing to me because it's very chaotic now. And again, perhaps out of this chaos will come an order in that this is just the messy middle as Apple tries to get its color story in place. But uh, I don't I don't have a high degree of confidence in it, um, even though there are some signs that they may be trying because it still seems like a, a, a pretty big mess. And maybe some of this is the products coming out in a different sequence than they really intended because COVID kind of led to lots of production issues that have led to their products coming out at all sorts of different times. Because part of my concern about the about the MacBook Pros is if the MacBook Pros that we're expecting in the next few weeks were really meant to come out maybe in June originally, that predates Midnight and Starlight, right? So even if they've got their color game in a, all, all lined up, their color ducks are in a row. I was going to say, sure, color ducks, mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, we may not see it with the MacBook Pros. They may seem like a another confusing regression where they just come in silver and space gray, and everybody goes, "What is going on?" And the answer may be, "What's really going on is this predates our 2021 color redesign that we're starting to roll out." Um, but Apple's going to need to show me that it's got it together. A, a lot more before I bu- I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. It seems like a mess. I'm still looking forward to my gold one, though. I am looking forward to uh, to titanium. Mm-hmm. I've I've you know I, I know people who've had them, and I again I just kind of wanted to treat myself. So. I should have it for next week, so I'll be able to talk about it next week. I won't have had a lot of time with it. I but. I should have. My understanding is that I will probably have an Apple Watch to talk about next week, not cool. mine. Mm-hmm. but one that I will be able to to temporarily possess that Great. I'll be able to talk about. So we have that to look forward to. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hunter Douglas. 
With Hunter Douglas's range of innovative window shade designs, you'll be able to outfit your home with fantastic fabrics and advanced control systems, helping your home become more comfortable, stylish, and relaxing any time of the day. Hunter Douglas's shades diffuse harsh sunlight, instead casting a beautiful glow across their room. And with the adaptability, you can enjoy the view outside a window without needing to give up on your privacy. You'll benefit from better insulation at home, keeping you warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer, all while lowering your energy bills. And you can bring all of this together with Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology. This ensures that your shades will automatically adjust themselves to give you the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation any time of the day. Hunter Douglas shades are also compatible with all of your favorite home automation systems, from Amazon Alexa to Apple HomeKit, Google Assistant, IFTTT, and more. And I know that listeners of this show are going to really love being able to automate this stuff themselves too, helping them integrate their shades with the other products in their home. And you get that control with Hunter Douglas. So you can live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Go to HunterDouglas.com upgrade to take advantage of their Season of Style rebate savings event. That's HunterDouglas.com upgrade for limited time savings. Offer expires December 6th, 2021. Our thanks to Hunter Douglas for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we're going to talk about Apple internet purchases again. Okay. I'm sorry. There's more news. I can't avoid it. You know, this is just one of those things. So, payments processing company Paddle has announced their plans to launch an alternative alternative in-app payment process system for iOS. So, they've announced it now. People can put their name down to get on a list and they can sign up later on. So, this is taking advantage of the perceived possibility that Apple will have to change the way that it processes in-app payment stuff and maybe also to take advantage of what's been going on with the uh, ruling from the Japan Fair Trade Commission thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like having a link, right? But Paddle have said that they will take 10% of the fee, a 10% fee rather than the 30 or 15 for $10 transactions. So like if it's uh, anything up to um, $10, they'll take a 10% fee. And it will be 5% plus a 50 cent fee flat on anything over $10. So if it's something over $10, take 5% plus 50 cents, which is probably the card processing fee or whatever. Um they will offer access to customer data for communication purposes, so email addresses and stuff like that, which Apple does not do. And developers would offer a button in their application, so it would say like, hey, go here and pay. You tap the button, it will take the customer out to the web where they'll complete the transaction, which they can do through PayPal, credit card, or Apple Pay. And then developers can integrate everything they need in their apps to ensure that the payment and customer matches up and offer all that kind of stuff. Obviously, Paddle, I think, are playing their hand here, right? They're the first yeah. company in this space that has made a song and dance about having something because they're not the only company that could offer this. Stripe could offer this. Revenue Cat could offer this. There are others that could do it. Paddle has been first to say, hey, we are going to have a solution. I think they're, they are anticipating a potential gold rush, right? Yep. And so they wanna they wanna be there, because look, these, some companies are going to need something, right? Like it, we're gonna talk about the Epic thing in a bit, but even without that, there is going to be a new requirement for payment systems, alternate payment systems that some developers may have not needed to think about before. 
And so you're going to have this one thing, you know, this, this thing, right? Like this one link, as they say, the one link for signing up if you're a reader app, however that will end up working out. So, so people are going to need something. And more com- if more companies, it's like um, that kind of thing. Like if you tell a lie often enough, it becomes truth, whatever that quote is. Like if enough companies should say, hey, we're going to have a solution for this, everyone's going to expect there to be a thing. Right. Maybe it'll push Apple. I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it's, I get, you know, they're basically investing time and effort into building this into their system, which they already do, but they're, they're trying to focus it on, on this. I think anticipating that it may be allowed. Mm -hmm. And if it's not allowed, that there are going to be further legal things that come up. And I don't know, I kind of feel like if you are somebody who is doing web, uh, transaction processing and you're monitoring what's going on with Apple, you you would be making a huge mistake if you weren't preparing for the possibility to win business from app developers if this door opens. Um, but you also would have to be wary of the fact that the door may not open. Yep. You, you don't know. But um, I don't think... I mean, Paddle made a thing about it because they are also using this for PR, right? Yep. They're also trying to get Genius. people to pay attention yep. to Paddle. Yep. But, uh, but you know, it makes sense, right? Like, And the idea here of how this would work, I mean, we don't know because we don't know how App- Apple would implement this in terms of what they're going to allow and what they're not going to allow. But if, if an app developer has the ability to put a button on their site that goes to, or on their app that goes to a Paddle page, essentially saying, buy this thing, and then it redirects you back to the app after the transaction is over and the app goes, great, I've got your thing confirmed now. Like, that's a big deal. So maybe that will happen. So I think it's smart to prepare and it's obviously smart for them to roll out PR like this. Maybe people are getting bored of hearing me say this by now, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Like, after reading this, I'm like, yeah, I should be able to do this as a customer. Like, I should be able to do this. Or as a developer, like developers should be able to do this. Like I can't think of a reason myself why this would should not be allowed. Especially this, like going out to a website and doing the transaction. It's not even happening yep. inside of the application. Like yep. there is zero reason logically why I should not be able to make a transaction like this. It, it, there, I, there is nothing. Yeah. That makes any sense other than the rules Apple created, which don't make sense. And so I, I, agree. I, I hope that this is something that will continue to to, to proliferate. Every more antitrust-related things. So Japan's Fair Trade Commission is now investigating the overall market dominance of Apple and Google on mobile and the effects that that can have. So Japan's Fair Trade Commission had the thing about IAP, and that was settled, right? That's that one link thing that we've yet to see anything more from, but we'll get at some point. Now then, there's a whole separate investigation now. Uh, The Dutch Antitrust Authority has ruled that Apple's in-app purchase requirements are anti-competitive. They're talking about the rules around exclusivity of payments and the size of Apple's cut. The Dutch authorities have demanded that Apple make changes to their system, and it's currently under further legal review with no comments all around from everybody. No one's given any comments. And Apple has appealed Judge Gonzalez's ruling on changing how IAP could work. So the thing that the only thing that Apple lost in the Epic uh, trial, which is the thing that we're all most interested in, uh, which is the idea of them, uh, it was the whole thing, right, that we were talking about of like no one's really sure what this means, 
right? But it could mean that maybe in-app purchases would be allowed from other vendors or whatever. Uh, so I'll get a, read a quote from Mac Rumors. Uh, Apple has asked the court for a stay on the permanent injunction that requires it to implement those charge- changes by December. So basically, Apple is appealing and asking for a delay. So they are not going to be forced to make their changes by the end of the year. So Apple is saying they need more time before they make changes to, quote, not upset the balance between developers and customers and to make sure that they're doing things correctly and safely for their users. So Apple doesn't think it's nothing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They think it's enough to appeal and say, please don't make us do this by now. Well, I mean, we all knew that that was the case, but they're, but they're yeah, this is the, that we want everything except for this one little thing. We, don't, we also don't want that one little thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that's okay, the kind of funny enough. thing about it. It's like we won, but now we're appealing part of it. But we definitely won. You didn't see the asterisk there next to <laughs> "we won" that leads you to a footnote that refers you to another document that mentions that there's one part where we didn't win. Oh well. So that's at on you. some point, Apple is going to say is going to give more information about how people can put this one link in the system, but they've not done it yet. And or what I mean, I'm still hoping, maybe blindly, that they are going to have big app store changes come at some point, but they want to make sure they have the time to do them. Because and the reason I brought in the the thing from the, from Japan and uh, from the Dutch Antitrust Authority is just further proof of like it's only getting more complicated for them if they keep holding on. Yeah, it's just it's just going to keep happening. This is Apple. Um, I'm sure behind the scenes, Apple is strategizing about what they have to do here. Um, I'm unclear on whether Apple is worried about having to technically implement something so that they're in line with the orders, right? Like the idea that, okay, let's get on this and let's have a plan. Like you said, which I, I think would be, it strikes me as being prudent to say we need to build in a whole bunch of trapdoors now that allow us to change this on the fly as different jurisdictions tell us different behaviors, right? Like I, I think it would be prudent for Apple engineering wise to look at the state of affairs right now and say, we need to envision a world where in different locations for different kinds of software, there are different rules and our system has to adjust to all these things. And we're going to have to um, build in ways for that to work. Now, app developers who are listening to this are probably chuckling heartily at the idea that Apple is going to be able to move nimbly with especially their back-end systems because mm-hmm. um, the back-end systems for developers are kind of horrifyingly not good <laughs> compared to compared to the software quality that happens in Apple systems that customers see. it's all like built on top of on top of on top of all yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not a, the polish is not a priority for the stuff that's behind the scenes. If you've ever been backstage at a theater, right, the front of the theater is all soft fabrics and pretty and all that, and you go backstage and it is completely industrial and awful because it's not for, you know, you work here now. You don't get the, the fancy stuff. Well, that's what the developer tools are like at uh, behind the scenes at the App Store. Um, the reason I bring this up, though, is that would seem to make sense, right? Like, hey, we're in a different environment now. Let's plan. However, I will say, legally, I wonder if Apple wants to be able to claim that it's too hard. 
<laughs> and so the other way to go, and I don't know what the legal issues are and what Apple's lawyers would recommend, but I can definitely see the argument that somebody might make that says, if you make it so that you can flip a switch that to do this thing, they'll make you flip a switch. But if you make it, but if it, it currently is really hard to do this thing, you can plead hardship and string this out. I would have that so or much. limit its appeal. I was, I wouldn't believe it. And well, I, well, that's anyone that's the that thing, would right? allow them to say that. Like it, 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 that would just be so frustrating to me. Right? It's oh, we're Apple. You don't understand. We're Apple. We can't do things, yeah. and then be like, "Really?" And that's right. I, and and that's why I think that there's that's an interesting strategy thing because I think um, legal claims being set aside the legal claims for a second. If I'm inside Apple, I what I don't want to do is get a court order that is basically you know you've got 30 days to implement this feature. So maybe you start planning what you would implement or building in trapdoors, like I said things that you can flip the switch and say, well, now in Korea, this thing now is allowed. Mm -hmm. um, you'd think you'd want to prepare, like Paddle is preparing, right? You'd think you'd want to prepare. But Apple's behavior up to now suggests that they are much more obstinate <laughs> than that. And so I wouldn't put it past them to say, no, no preparing. We won't prepare until the moment they force us, which... I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him, I guess is what I'm saying. But it would seem prudent to be preparing for the fact that I mean, we are should have been like preparing years ago for this. Years ago. But but now now it has never been more clear, no matter how you feel about these rules and these rulings and what's going on in the current environment, I think it's undeniable that we are entering an age where a bunch of Apple's policies that Apple has been able to make and, you know, rule by fiat and just say, this is, this is the law. We make the law. We are entering an era where that's not going to be true anymore. We're entering an era where regulators and judges are going to tell Apple there's certain things that Apple wants to do that they're not allowed to do. This is, this is Apple's future. Mm -hmm. Apple, I think you would have to be the biggest optimist, pro Apple optimist in the world to imagine that Apple's business is not going to be dictated, business and policies are not going to be at least somewhat dictated by governments and regulators and uh, and lawsuits and judges implementing lawsuits. Like, it's going to happen. It's, it seems very unlikely. Now, it may not happen to the extent we think. And it may happen in surprising areas and not in other surprising areas. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a given that there's going to be like everything that what, whatever your number one thing is on your list is like, now this is the thing that Apple does that's really bad. So I'm sure that'll get thrown out. And that one will, mark my words, that one will stay. <laughs> and this minor thing that's like number five on your list, that one will turn around and you'll be like, why did you turn around that one? Because that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that happens. But anyway, I think it's inevitable. So a a good, capable manager inside Apple needs to be thinking about all of that and planning. And Apple needs to be much, you know, planning for the way, the last thing you want is to implement something badly because you're forced to, because you pretended not to <laughs> know it was coming. And, you know, in the end, if Apple does something bad because a judge tells them to people aren't going to blame the judge they're going to blame apple yeah and so apple needs to be ready 
to move on this stuff, whether they like it or not, <laughs> and do a good and do a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Because if they do a bad job with it, we're not going to blame the judge. We're not going to blame the regulator. We're going to blame Apple for doing a bad job and, and botching it. It's just quite frankly, this business is too big now. It's it's so big. It's one of the bigger businesses in the world, right? And every business needs to be in this business. Dan Morin wrote a piece at Macworld a couple of weeks ago that was basically like, Apple is a country now. Yes. <laughs> and you have to view it that way. It is a It is a huge thing. Um, I wrote a thing about uh, the 10th anniversary of Steve Jobs' death, which was last week. Mm-hmm. And I just did the kind of, you know, we do the quarter over quarter or year over year comparisons. I did a decade over decade comparison. And it's just like, it is breathtaking how much larger Apple is now than it was 10 years ago. And so, yeah, this is just the game they're in now. Or, and this made me laugh, uh, in the Discord, uh, Upgrade Ian David Schaub just said, where is the puck going to be? And like, we use that a lot, but it, it really made me smile because this is where the puck is going to be. It's going to be in court. <laughs> it's going to be in regulators. Yeah, the puck's it's going to be court. orders. <laughs> the, puck, the puck is in the court. So yeah. uh, the puck is in the European Commission. The puck is in all sorts of places that are not in Cupertino. And so if you're Apple, get to skating, I guess. They need a wartime consigliere over there, I think, at the moment. That's right. Europe is settling all business at the moment, settling all family That's right. Business. They're going to the mattresses. Yeah. We got any other references? They're making I them an offer. They sure. can't refuse. I'm they uh, sure they uh, ask them for a favor one day. It's, it's all the godfather. On the day of my... <laughs> No, you come to me on the day of my operating system release (laughs) and you ask this of me this episode is brought to you by gabby sometimes it's wild how fast prices can rise it can happen to tons of things gasoline groceries clothes loads of things that you come across day to day prices they steadily creep up and if you're looking to cut costs you can't find ways to save you can start with your auto insurance and that's where gabby comes in shopping for auto insurance can be laborious the good news is gabby does all the work for you gabby uses your current policy to compare your coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like nationwide and travelers they're the one true comparison platform with fast verifiable quotes not ballpark guesses and because gabby uses your current coverage they only show you policies that are the same or better than your current because with many of them at a lower price the best part is that gabby is free to use and they don't sell your info so there's going to be any annoying spam they don't want to do that Jason, I know that you had an interesting experience with Gabby, right? Yeah, I think it actually speaks to how uh, good Gabby is at um, not, they're not this uh, company that's going to kind of railroad you into something like that. The whole goal here is to give you good info. And so in my case, I put in all the info, super easy to do, put in all my information. They came back to me the next day and they basically said, "Um, good news, you have, your deal is the best deal. Mm -hmm. Which I was like, great, that's great. I don't have to deal with that at all. Um, but they were happy to do that. So they had other deals that were in there. They've searched for all the other providers. But in my case, I, I just got the reassurance that I was uh, I was doing okay, which was, uh, that was pretty cool for them to do that. People who switch with Gabby save on average $80 a month versus their current policy. So it's no surprise that Gabby has been featured in TechCrunch, Forbes, USA Today, and many more. Start saving on your auto insurance today. Go to gabby.com slash upgrade to start saving today. It's totally free to try. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash upgrade. Go to gabby.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Gabby for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's do some hashtag ask upgrade questions to finish out today's show. Rajat asks, 
If Europe compels... I love this question so much. This is so good. If Europe compels Apple to replace Lightning with USB-C and the French law to include a, hand, to include a hands-free kit remains unchanged, would Apple design a new version of AirPods of USB-C or would they just give up and give AirPods for everybody in France for free? <laughs> I like this question too. Boxes so good. within boxes within mm-hmm. boxes. I think the answer is... That if if there was and there's so many questions here. If Apple had to make a USB-C iPhone because of the European Commission, and if the French law remains, what would happen to the headphones in the box? I think the answer is probably they would just do a Lightning to USB-C adapter for the ear, the earpods, or they would just make some earpods with USB-C. Um, if if it's also suggesting like is there a USB-C model that's only in the EU or would it be that that mm. would force Apple to make it everywhere cuz they wouldn't want to make two and and at that point they would make a they their wired headphones would be USB-C. I think there may even already be USB-C. There isn't. I just looked. They do no? uh, Lightning and 3.5 mm. Okay, so you and you can get a, a 3.5 to USB-C adapter. So mm-hmm. they 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 could just include that the the 3.5 version and the adapter, or they could just build some that I mean it's just different cords, right? Basically, <laughs> they build some that with a USB-C on it instead. I, I just I think it would be that simple. It just depends on how spiteful Apple is being, but I I don't think Apple's going to put AirPods in the box that's in the box that's or, in the box. Or they. They put AirPods in the box and like, what if you want to use them? You've got to get an adapter. Like they put the AirPods in, like just the, the maybe the oh, 3.5 yeah. ones and they're like, you know, bring your own adapter. No, I don't think France will let them do that. I think they have to not. actually work. You've got somebody, once somebody think of the children. Rowan asks, do I recall correctly a WWDC announcement about Swift Playgrounds being able to build and submit iOS apps straight from an iOS app, like from the iPad? Yes. I haven't heard about it since. Yeah, they did announce I'd that. I'd forgotten about this completely. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, Rowan, on your behalf, because that's what we do here on Ask Upgrade. That's right, so we care. So this is coming with version four of Swift Playgrounds, which is not available yet. And Apple had ah. said like later this year. So that ah. version is just not available right now. They, they haven't shipped it yet. Get ready. That will come. I'm going to be really intrigued to see what that process is like. You know, someone's going to do that. Probably Steve Trout Smith. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm really, I'm really intrigued to see like what will it look like to build an app in Swift Playgrounds and then submit it to the App Store. Like, what is that process going to look like? Could be Rambo. Could be Gear Rambo. Might could be. It. Could be. It's going to be somebody though. There's going to be. Well, I'll tell you what Apple's going to do is Apple is going to release a press release about a teenager who built their own app entirely in Swift Playgrounds and is selling it on the App Store. Yeah. With a profile of them. And they will, in, that, integrated paddle for their, <laughs> for their in-app purchases. Mm. <laughs> well, it turns out that now in the terms and conditions of using Swift Playgrounds, you have to uh, only use Apple's in-app purchase systems. They've mm-hmm. just moved all of those rules down into Swift Playgrounds as a development environment. Brantz asks, regarding your thoughts on why the iPad mini makes sense for people who don't want to use an iPad Pro to, you know, really take advantage of what that can do. Is there a reason that the standard iPad isn't the better option with it being $170 cheaper? Is it because the mini is smaller or lighter? Yeah, we were speaking in the context of the iPad mini as a reading device, basically, and content uh, consumption device, but really like as a reader. And and so, yeah, that's the answer is because it's smaller and lighter, it's better suited to be a reading device. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so... 
I've talked to a lot of people who get an iPad Pro or an iPad Air and they feel guilty that it's not living up to its full potential and the iPad Mini maybe makes them feel better about it. Of course, the standard iPad is there and it's cheaper. Um, the context is just different then, mm-hmm. like because then it's then it's bigger and, and it's, it's heavier. heavier. And so it's, it's less good as a reader um, and it's got the home button and stuff, right? Like, And it doesn't support some of the other stuff that, that the mini supports, but that really it was just the context of it being a reader and that the, the cheap iPad is fine too. It's just not as nice a reader because it's not as um, small and light as the mini. And I'll speak for myself too. I forget that the iPad exists. I do. Um, Cause yeah, it's not I mean, in it's, my, it's not, I'm not personally excited about it. I would not recommend it for most people because it is, it is a full generation behind on technology at this point, but you know, it's, the price can't be beat, right? Like that's a good, yeah, yeah. good price. It's a fantastic price. What does the iPad Air start at? It's oh, it's like in five hundred. It's in the middle. It's in the five right? hundreds. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you know, it may, again, it's not as easy to just say, "Hey, go up and get that one." And and I understand that. It's like for me, like a, a lot of this stuff, um, it really is the things that I talk about. I want to talk about the thing that I personally am excited about the most. You know, I don't yeah. have access to. All of these products. So iPad Air is six hundred. Okay, so that's quite expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's yeah. it's cheap when you consider the Pro, mm-hmm. but if you're if you're it's expensive when you're considering the cheaper ones, right? And it is a most of the Pro. I features, was hoping it was going to be like a oh you know just pay this bit more and you could get no no, no that's much no it's much substantially more. more. That's much yeah. much more. And like so yeah. yeah the the regular iPad is definitely there for iPady things. But I still stand by like the iPad Mini. I think is the best iPad you can get, obviously because it's expensive and you're at blah 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 for those like content consumption tasks. Exactly. I remain. I, people get so bored of me saying this. I am in love with that iPad Mini. Oh my god, it's the best. It's great. I love it so much. Rajiv asks, "Do you think Apple will expand iCloud Private Relay beyond Safari and into other applications? What do you think?" I don't know how it works technically. I would think that that once, well, first they have to ship it as like on and out of beta and all yep. of those things, right? Um, so uh, let's wait for them to get there. But yes, I think iCloud Private Relay is the start of something that will expand and grow and become, I would not be surprised if it eventually becomes essentially a vpn uh but not but apple in its mm-hmm. own apple way will implement it the way the way they will but i feel like this is the beginning of apple um moving your networking traffic in ways that make it more secure and private i think it'll keep happening yeah i know for me this is going to be one of those features that like i'm going to let everyone else try it for a while <laughs> and like i'm like oh, i don't know like it's uh I just, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, you're living on all the time and just, like, the issues that it could cause. I don't know. I'll wait and see. This is one of those things, like, many things that Apple does around services. Like, I will let other people try this first before I wade into that water. But I do, uh, I do agree. I think, ultimately, it makes sense for them to do it for all internet traffic. Like, there's a lot of internet traffic that isn't through Safari. And if Apple really want to provide that level of security to their iCloud customers, having this available... And this privacy, I should say, rather than security specifically, mm-hmm. but having this available is a, is a good thing. I think the worry could be potentially things like 
not working. This is what I'm talking about. Like I saw a yeah. lot of people in the beta saying like they couldn't buy tickets on Ticketmaster and stuff right. like that, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and these things are so obscured, right? Like all you know is you're looking at the web browser and it's not letting you do a thing. Right. And it's like, oh, because it's trying to understand where you are geographically or whatever. I think that's why it's a beta. I, I mean, I think that's why it's still in beta. I think that's what ha- why it happened because it wasn't, pitched as such when they showed it off at WWDC. And I think Apple quite rightly were like, well, this could be tricky. Like, we need to spend more time on this. And this is a thing they've done in before. So, like, uh, the the app track and transparency thing, right? It was announced, and then they just kept delaying, kept delaying, kept delaying because it could upset a lot of Apple carts, and you've got to make sure you're getting it right before you put it in place. So maybe they'll wait for iCal Private Relay 2 for that. I don't know. But, yes, if it works, eventually... Uh, should be in everything. Similarly, I want web extensions in Safari View Controller. Put those in there while you're at it. You know, like I, I'm really loving using the One Password extension, but if I'm inside of another app trying to log into something, no, it doesn't work. Like I, I want to have that wherever I can get Safari. I, I want the uh, the extensions too. So yeah, I uh, open things in Web Views now in apps, and I cry because they're mm-hmm. bad because they don't have the extensions in them. So oh, like the of. cookie notification blocker yeah. things. Well, and... at night, uh, Noir doesn't yep. fire off in the Web View. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's so bright. Open the Web, open in Safari. No, it's just I'm. I want them all. Mm-hmm. Be be my extensions. So yeah, put it everywhere, please. I get it. I get why you got to start somewhere, but man. I already just love those extensions. So, If you'd like to send in a question uh, for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, which you'll get access to if you sign up for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com and you will get longer ad-free episodes of Upgrade every single week. Thank you so much if you support the show by doing so. Also, thank you to Gabby, Hunter Douglas, and DoorDash for their support of this week's episode, and thank you for listening. If you'd like to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com the incomparable.com and also here at relay fm jason hosts a number of shows including the new and awesome downstream which you should go check out um jason is at jason l j-s-n-e-l-l and i am at imike i-m-y-k-e and hey i make some products some journals and notebooks go to cortexmerch.com and you can check those out i would very much appreciate it we'll be back next time until then say goodbye jason snow the ipad mini Mike took it out of a box, and he will use it with a fox. He will use it on the train, but will not use it in the rain. It is not waterproof, you see. Don't bathe with the iPad mini. Bravo. It's Dr. Seuss. Well, it's it's Dr. Snell. (laughs) 